But before uh, Eliza comes to give us our reading and Cal to speak, let me just pray for them uh, and also for us. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Uh, Thank you that it is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. Father, pray for Eliza as she comes to read. I pray that she would read with uh, clarity. And Father, I pray that uh, as she speaks out your word, uh, that it would fall on soft hearts. Father, I pray that uh, our hearts would be ready uh, to receive your word. We pray for Cal as he comes to it. Open up your word. May he speak with great boldness. And Father, I pray that uh, his words uh, would be your words. I pray that our hearts would be shaped and molded as he speaks and greatly encouraged by the truth of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our readings from 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 15, verse 1 to 8. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I have, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Lovely. Thank you so much, Eliza. Uh, And good evening, everyone. Uh, It's lovely to be able to see you all. Thanks for coming out on what's quite a grim Sunday evening, um, but it's great to be with you all. Uh, Don't worry, uh, it's not going to be three in a row talking about sheep, so you're all okay. Um, uh, As I said, this isn't going to be a a full-length preach here this evening, um, even though tonight is an evening of prayer and praise. It's still so important for us to to get God's word open uh, and to hear what he has to say and to use his words to shape our praise and our prayers. Uh, So let me pray and ask for God's help and then we'll get stuck in. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Lord, thank you that it is good and true and thank you that you have revealed everything we need to know about you in it. Lord, I pray tonight as we come to your word, please give us soft hearts, hearts that will be willing to uh, be changed and hearts that are willing to rejoice in the wonderful truths of the gospel. Um, Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, um, as a proud Scotsman, uh, this summer was quite an exciting time. Uh, Scotland finally qualifying for a major football tournament for the first time in my life. Uh, and as a nation, we were full of hope. Hope that maybe this could be our big chance. Um, uh, very quickly, that hope became, oh, well, we might not win it, but let's at least get out of the group. Um, to then the hope being, well, let's at least just win one game. Uh, to eventually in the last game, let's, I just hope we score one goal. That was it. Um, the less we speak about that, the better, really. That hope ended quite quickly in despair. Um, but I wonder what kind of things you hope for. Um, on a small level, you might just be hoping that the rain stops by the time you walk to the car. Uh, you might hope that you have a good night's sleep or, or hope that the traffic isn't too bad on the way to work tomorrow morning. Uh, maybe we take a step back and there's some bigger things to hope with. Maybe you hope that you'll get some good time off soon to be able to get away on holiday. You might hope 
um, that a big project at work is going to go well, or you might just be hoping that we have a winter a bit freer from COVID restrictions. Uh, and then there are our big hopes, big hopes for our lives, the, the hope of, of finding a husband or a wife, uh, the hope that your kids are, are going to grow up happy and successful, um, hopes of living a long and happy life, hope that Scotland might one day win a competition. Now, you see, these are all good things to hope for, things to want to happen. But the problem, the issue with all of these things is that there is no certainty that any of them will happen for any of us, right? See, the hope in these things is, is nothing more than a wish which may or may not come true. Hope, more often than not, leaves us feeling empty and frustrated when the things we hope in don't happen. But if you're a Christian here this evening, you do have real hope. A hope that isn't based on, on things that you want or desire. A hope that's not reliant on lots of different things falling into place. But a hope based on the sure certainty of your future. John Piper, as he writes, defines what biblical hope is like this. Biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. A confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. And that something good that he's talking about is the future being everlasting life with Jesus in the new creation. And Paul, in his first letter to the church in Corinth, wants them to understand that very truth. That they have a true and certain hope. A hope in the gospel. If you look down in your Bibles to the beginning of the next section, in verse 12, you can see a question that Paul asks. He says, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? See, the people here were clearly questioning their future. As Paul mentions in verse 1, they, they had already heard the gospel preached to them. Uh, not only had they heard it, but they'd taken a stand in it. See, these people were, were Christians who believed in Jesus, but still had questions, had questions about their future. And I'm sure that's the case for many of us here this evening. So Paul, as he writes this small section, he writes it to remind the people that they really can have a sure and certain hope for the future. Uh, Paul has two big things he mentions here, and we're going to work through those together. Paul says we can have a sure and certain hope in the future. Firstly, because the gospel saves. Look down and read verses 1 and 2 with me. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. By this gospel, you have been saved. There is only one way to be saved, saved from the good and righteous wrath of God. Not by being a good person, not by living your life in a certain way, but by believing that Jesus died in your place as a sacrifice for your sin. In order that you can be made right with God. That is the gospel. And believing in that is what saves. There is no other way to be made right with God. And, and Paul says, if you hold firm to that truth, 
If you know that truth in your heart, if you let it dwell in you, you will be saved from the punishment we all deserve. Now, when we think about being saved, uh, we don't quite often think of what we've been saved from. We love thinking of what eternity is going to be like, being saved, being in with glory forever. But we've got to remember what we have been saved from. The eternal punishment for the sin that we've committed against God and the seriousness of that. We've been saved from the worst punishment to the greatest reward. From punishment to glory. That's what we've been saved from and that's what we've been saved to. See, that, that is the, the, the point of Jesus' work. <laughs> if this wasn't the case, look how Paul describes it at the end of verse 2. He says, you have believed in vain. The, the, the whole point of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection was to save us. And by saving us, bring God the glory that he so truly deserves. This, this should be a truth that this thrills us. That excites us beyond any belief. That just makes us buzz. Jesus has made a way for you to be made into a right relationship with God. The loving creator of the universe. And all we have to do is to trust that Jesus died for us. It sounds like the greatest deal ever, doesn't it? See, that's, that's the difference between the gospel and what every other religion teaches. Other religions say you've got to do X, Y, and Z in order to be saved. And even then, there's, there's no certainty in that of what is to come. But Jesus said, it's not about what you do. It's about what I have done. Jesus said, I have done it for you. You have been saved. <coughs> so knowing that, being reminded of that, we have something sure and certain to hold on to. The future that we have. When, when the storms of life come and we, we question what the future might, might hold, we need to be reminded, just like the Corinthians, that we are saved. It, it has been achieved. It's already been done. It's done and dusted. It is finished, as Jesus himself said. And we can hold on to that with excitement and certainty. So firstly, the gospel saves. Secondly, we have a sure and certain hope because the gospel can be trusted. One of the big questions many people have when exploring the Christian faith is, how can I trust what the Bible says? How can I be sure that what Jesus did and says has actually happened? And it can be a doubt that creeps into many of our minds quite often. Well, Paul, in the next few verses, mentions two main reasons of why the people in Corinth can really trust the gospel that they've heard. Let's look at the first one together in verse 3 and 4. Read it with me. Paul says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul passed on this gospel as, as the most important thing. most important thing they needed to know was that truth that Jesus died for their sins. And you see the, the repeated phrase in there? According to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 
He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, Paul is saying that, that what Jesus did happened exactly as it was meant to. It was all part of God's plan right from the very beginning. The scriptures, the Old Testament, time and time again pointed to what was going to happen. The events in the lead up and during and in the aftermath of Jesus' death had been predicted and they came to be. They fulfilled God's good plan. This wasn't just some happy accident, accident or strange coincidence. This was all part of the plan. This was how it was meant to be. God was, was fully in control. And look at the next thing that Paul says uh, in the next verses. And, and he, Jesus, appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Paul reels off this list of people who Jesus appeared to. Cephas, the twelve, James, Paul himself, 500 others. Paul is, Paul is proving that everything Jesus said and did happen, that Jesus really came back to life. All these people saw that it happened. Paul's like, don't just, don't just take my word for it. Look, there are so many other people who saw this happen. Go and ask them. Find out. Don't just take my word for it. See that this really did happen. He wants them to be beyond doubt that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Because if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead then those questions that the Corinthians had about is there resurrection, is there life after death, would be, would be totally valid. They'd have reason to ask those questions. But Paul wants them to see that Jesus' resurrection proves that there is life after death and that they can look forward to that one day when they will experience it. So you can trust the gospel because Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament and he really did rise from the dead. All of that hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. And if you're here this evening and you're maybe not too sure about this, about the resurrection of Jesus, how it fits into things, can I encourage you to pick up a gospel, to pick up one of the books of the Bible and and to read about it for yourselves? Read about Jesus' life, his death, and what his resurrection means. And see for yourself if you think that it's true. I'm convinced it is, as are so many others. And if it is true, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then it does make all the difference. It means you can have a real and certain hope. A hope which overshadows all the difficulties and the trials we faced day to day. A hope that one day everything will be made new. And for those of us who, who trust Jesus here this evening, I hope these truths thrill you this evening. To know what you've been saved from, from what you've been saved into, and that we really can trust everything this, that is said in the gospel. But <laughs> the reality is, many of us know that, but it's so easy to lose sight of it, isn't it? We get carried away with the busyness of life with all, all that's going on and we might not forget these truths but so easily they slip to the back of our minds so, so the question is how, how can we stop that from happening how can we help ourselves remember this incredible hope that we have in store 
Well, as Paul writes in verse 1, as he writes to the Corinthians, he writes to remind them. And so we need to be reminded ourselves, don't we? And I find it's great coming along to church once a week on a Sunday, but so often that isn't enough. So often we need to be reminded, I feel I need to be reminded every moment of every day of just what Jesus has done and the hope that we have in store. There's no better way of doing that than, than getting your Bible open each day, spending time by yourself in your own hearts, reading the truths of what Jesus has done, reminding yourselves of just how great a thing he did for us. Letting those wonderful truths shape your every thought and action of the day. Uh, and alongside that, we, we can get people to remind us, just as Paul, a friend of theirs, was reminding them. We can have others in our lives remind us of those truths as well. Uh, one of the, the great things about being married is that I always have Tash with me to remind me of these wonderful truths. It's one of the amazing joys of being married. Uh, we were at a wedding just yesterday, and it was a there was a great reminder that the whole point of marriage is to point each other to Jesus. And so if, if you are married here this evening, can I encourage you to not let those things slip, to point each other to Jesus? That is the main point of marriage. It's a wonderful privilege to be able to do, to be in that relationship with someone, to point them to Jesus, to point them to the hope we have in him. It's not easy sometimes, but it's a wonderful privilege to have. But even if you're not married, but for all of us, we also have a whole load of brothers and sisters in our church family that can help do the same. To remind ourselves, to remind each other, to encourage each other of the hope we have in store. Let's be a people who, who speak of this hope, who have this real certain hope at the tip of our tongues in all of our conversation. We have a sure and certain hope because... We've been saved by the wondrous works of Jesus. And we know that we can trust it because Jesus is alive. So as Paul urges the Corinthians in verse 2, hold firm. Hold firm to the gospel to the end of your days or until Jesus returns, whichever comes next. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the wonderful truth of the gospel Lord thank you that Jesus came lived among us died to take the punishment for our rejection of you and then rose again to prove that death has been defeated and that we have eternal life with you Lord that is a wonderful wonderful thing to be reminded of Lord and we're sorry for the times that we forget that Lord that we push that to the back of our minds we get so preoccupied and focused about daily life here that we forget just the wondrous things that Jesus has done Lord I pray that you would help us remember ourselves we would encourage and share that with others Lord of this wonderful hope that we have when life gets tricky when the future looks bleak help us to remember that we have a sure and certain hope in you help us all in Jesus name Amen